Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It is 3.16 p.m. on June 21st as I speak to you all solo. Jim Monas is uh, grinding, rising and grinding, one could even say, on the XFL. It, things are heating up with the league. So uh, we're going to get back at it uh, tomorrow at Hamburg Brewing Company. We've got some special guests as well. So Get back to the regular scheduled programming with Monas soon. I just wanted to hop on a quick uh, solo pod here because we've got some news to discuss. Rob Gronkowski, possibly the best tight end of all time, has retired again. Uh, Pretty heartfelt message on Instagram. Sounds like it's it for Rob, Uh, but also he has done this before, right? He came out of retirement before. Uh, got to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl with his buddy Tom Brady. And and this time, even his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is, is speaking. Rosenhaus, uh, to Adam Schefter of ESPN, said that if Rob Gronkowski were to, I don't know, hear, hear from Tom Brady at some point during the season, uh, he would take that call. So take this retirement for whatever it is. Um, Tom Brady retired earlier this offseason. That feels like it was light years ago at this point. But I, I tend to think Rob Gronkowski will be back, and I'll get into it in some more detail. But as everybody probably knows, listening, or hopefully you know, uh, I spent this past year writing my first book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Uh, you can pre-order it right now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you get books. Um, it's out there, and it'll be out in late October, right around Tight Ends Week, uh, tight ends day week when, when we really celebrate this position. So uh, yeah, spent this past year hanging out with Jeremy Shockey, Mike Dicka, Tony Gonzalez, Ben Coates, Jackie Smith, talking at length with Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Ozzie Newsome, um, I, Dallas Clark. I think you guys are really going to like this book. It, it, it became, you know, a, a true labor of love, something that I woke up every morning genuinely thrilled to attack. You know, these tight ends just have so many stories upon stories upon stories, and so many of them intertwined. So many of them knew each other one way or another, had the same coaches, idolized each other. Um, it blew my mind. And I really do feel this position is what saves football. Um, and we called it blood and guts because. It is the blood and guts of the sport itself. You have to, on one play, mash your body into a 300-pound defensive end, and the next you might have to split the seam and beat a safety deep downfield. Um, you've got to do everything, and yet only fullbacks and kickers make less money on average. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into the position, and, and honestly, as much as it's about football and saving football, um, what I learned talking to all of these tight ends 
is it teaches you as much about life as anything, really. Uh, there were moments, you know, hanging out with Tony Gonzalez and even talking to Rob Gronkowski, who we're getting into here, where, you know, they took, kind of took a deep breath and it was like we're, we're sitting in a church pew and, and they're really kind of wrapping their brain around, wow, how this position made them as a person off the field. And when it comes to saving the position, I, I don't think any tight end really preserved football like Rob Gronkowski, you know, think back to, he comes into the league, you know, hell on wheels, 2010, 2011, year two is his breakout season when he sets the receiving record. You know, he takes New England to the Super Bowl and he's in a boot after the AFC championship game. And, and if he's healthy, they probably, they, they, they beat the New York Giants. Not probably, they beat the Giants there in Indianapolis. Um, but right around then, when he comes into the league, you know, through the 2010s is when we really saw the proliferation and just the flags and fines and, hey, say what you want. It's just factual that the league was cracking down on violence in the game. Um, obviously, a reaction to all the concussion revelations. You may remember League of Denial, the book and documentary that everybody should read. You know, I, I made that a Christmas gift for everybody close to me when it came out. It, it changes the way you think about concussions. It changes the way you think about the sport. This is the kind of stuff we all need to be taken seriously because it's your brain. It changes who you are later in life. But the overcorrection was pretty extreme through the 2010s. You guys, you know, if, if you're reading Go Long, you know where I stand on this issue. I probably have beaten this dead horse, you know, a million times over. But I, I just feel like fundamental, fundamentally the game ha- has changed as you try to siphon aggression out of it. I mean, that's what made football different. It was the fact that not everybody can do it. You can pick up a ball, basketball, and go play at the park. You can pick up a baseball bat and round up some buddies. Not everybody can put on shoulder pads, a helmet, and smash into each other. I mean, there's this, it's a war of attrition. Think about when you, when you play Pop Warner, that first Oklahoma drill, or God forbid your first bull in the, bull in the ring drill. Oh my gosh, I can, I can remember mine, you know, playing. Uh, actually, I grew up in uh, Western New York, went, played high school ball in Alicaville, but peewee and midget football. Uh, my dad worked in the Bradford PA area, so played down in the Bradford League. And I, I can remember all those drills like it was yesterday because you have to make that decision in your head in that drill when you know it's going to hurt, there's going to be pain. Is this for me? It's not for a lot of guys, a lot of really good athletes. It isn't others. It is. And these tight ends broke down that moment. I mean, Tony Gonzalez vividly remembers his moment. Rob Gronkowski is just different because, you know, his dad, and this is a big part of the book um, that you you can read in October, the way that he was raised, they, they, they couldn't even play football until eighth grade. Yet they're playing everything. They're playing hockey, basketball, Yes, hockey, ice hockey. He scored eight goals in the game one time, and he laid the lumber uh, on the rink. But he didn't play football until eighth grade, and it was instant. I mean, right away, he's just leveling people that were way older than him. But back to my point, you know, in the 2010s, think about when Rob Gronkowski came into the NFL. Okay, League of Denial comes out. The NFL needs to react. They they, they think they need to kind of subconsciously and, and consciously Make it clear to the moms of America, it is safe to play this game that is inherently unsafe. And so all the rules change and the flags come and, you know, you're seeing this massive, massive crackdown. And, you know, the more I talk to Rob Gronkowski, the more I talk to 
teammates, talk to Julian Edelman, James Devlin, um, opponents, won't get into names, but man, there were some opponents that had some Gronk tales to share uh, for, for blind guys. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was funny to talk to the people that he steamrolled um, because to Rob, it was just, you know, like, you know, getting who, 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 what he had for dinner, you know, X amount of years ago. He doesn't remember. He just ran over everybody, but to them, it changed their lives. It changed their careers. Rob Gronkowski preserved football at a very pivotal moment. You know, this is when the game is changing and, you know, it becomes a sport where you don't necessarily need to be violent and physical and tough to play it today. You don't. Um, but I think that Rob Gronkowski at the tight end position just fought and preserved it. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's delivering hits, but, but what he treasured most in his career was absorbing those hits. You know, one comes to mind, the Earl Thomas hit against Seattle, um, the Super Bowl rematch, I believe it was the 2016 season uh, where it, it, I mean, it, it busted him up really good. And he, and he herniates his back, suffers all kinds of stuff to his insides. He finished the game, uh, but the collateral damage from that hit is what ended his season. Remember, he wasn't on the field. He, he didn't finish on the field with that New England Patriots team that won the Super Bowl, the 28-3 comeback against Atlanta. He was on IR. But it was those moments that he even treasured, like getting hit, you know, and getting back up because he always got back up. So I tend to think, this is going to be another get back up moment for Rob Gronkowski. Um, it was just a couple of years ago that he retired, took a year off, let his body heal, got out of New England, got to Tampa, got with Tom Brady, and then won a Super Bowl. Pal, maybe the guy just doesn't want to go to training camp. <laughs> go training camp in South Florida in that heat and that humidity. Hell, I was just down there for go long stories uh, for for four days and. It is different. I mean, you get out that airplane, it is smacking you in the face, a different kind of heat. You know, it was like the same temperature actually up in Buffalo, New York, that it was uh, when I was down there in Miami and then I drove to Tampa as well. Um, but it's that humidity. It's just, it's just strange. It's different. I don't know. Hey, maybe Rob just doesn't want to go to training camp. Then that absolutely could be the case. But right now, I guess we're to believe that he retired. And if uh, I don't know, you know, we went through this with Tom Brady. I remember we did an emergency pod of sorts, you know, back in March. Oh, God, no, it would have been February. It was around the Super Bowl, right? When Tom Brady allegedly retired um, and he came back. So I consider this like somewhat reflective looking back. But I, I've thought a lot about this. Um, you know, who is the greatest tight end of all time? You know, hanging out with from Dicka to, to Kittle. And I don't know. I mean, you could, you'd be really hard pressed to find a tight end better than Rob Gronkowski with everything he did I mean, because he, especially early in his career, I mean, he would destroy opponents as a blocker. I mean, just destroy you look at his rookie season. If you get the chance, everything's on YouTube. I mean, you know, I threw out a tweet a couple of weeks ago. Seriously, rather than listen to all these talking heads, you know, blabbing on and on and debating nonsense and everything is just hot air, especially this time of year when it comes to football, because there's no games to talk about. Go to YouTube, literally type in any game that is in your memory, the season, the, the teams. Chances are somebody threw it up there. It's great. It was such a great resource for me um, when I was reporting on and researching for blood and guts, but there, there's a game, a play Rob Gronkowski's rookie season. I believe it was Thanksgiving against the Detroit lions. 
he breaks a dude's neck. I mean, Kyle Vandenbosch, a gnarly defensive end for the Lions. Big, tough, peak of his career. Remember, he had a great career with the Titans as well. Rob Gronkowski just cracked back some. He's it's, it's lights out. And there were so many moments like that. As a blocker, right? As a blocker, this is who he was. You know, when I was talking to George Kittle, uh, he said he looks up to Rob Gronkowski not necessarily because of the receiving ability, it's that blocking ability. And he pointed to New England's win over the LA Chargers. So this is the opposite end of Rob Gronkowski's career, even when they win in the divisional round. I think Rob Gronkowski had one catch for 25 yards. But as a blocker, he said that's the kind of game that you want to watch to learn the position, learn how to block. It was it was clinical what he did in that blowout win. Uh, it would have been 2018, right? So that Super Bowl season. In 2018, um, he he had that element to his game in addition to everything that we saw as a receiver, which, you know, even through all of the injuries, I mean, the numbers, they'll speak for themselves. I mean, I'm pulling them up right now. So you're looking at his career. So in the regular season, 621 receptions, 9,286 yards, 92 touchdowns, but obviously in the playoffs, that's where he really made hay too. So another 98 receptions for 1,389 yards and 15 touchdowns. Uh, stepped up in big moments again and again. AFC Championship, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes' MVP season. Who does Tom Brady go to up the left sideline with the game on the line? Rob Gronkowski. Lobs it up, makes the play, plucks it over a dude's head. I mean, he could make that kind of play. I mean, you're talking – the type of size, strength, athleticism that the position hadn't really seen. And a lot of these tight ends could really stake the claim to having some type of physical attribute that the game hadn't seen before, you know, before Mike Dicka, the position didn't even exist. And so for him to be running over DBs downfield after catching the ball was, was odd. Same with for John Mackey, Jackie Smith extends the position with his athleticism, his ability to get to that third level. Then Ozzie Newsom takes that concept to a different level, leaping ability, horizontal, just in the air, acrobats, and he never dropped the ball to Kellen Winslow. I think maybe the best comparison for Rob Gronkowski would be a Kellen Winslow because he was tall, strong, physical. I talked to Dan Fouts for the book. Fouts said, yeah, it drive me nuts because he just wanted to, he just wanted to steamroll and run over DBs all the time. I told Kellen, you know, Instead of putting stitches in that guy's head, let's make sure you're healthy for the next play. Um, that, that's probably the best comparison, but Rob Gronkowski even blew that out of the water. Uh, yeah, I mean, if this is the end, uh, I think we owe Rob Gron- Gronkowski just such a debt of gratitude for, for saving the sport. And I don't want to give too much away. I want people to buy the book, but we have so many stories in there. Uh, from Rob, from people who knew Rob, I talked to family members, um, his high school coach, college opponents pro teammates, pro opponents. And thinking back, I don't know what that chapter was, maybe 10, 11,000 words. It, it could have been three times that long. I mean, it's just hilarious. The stories that people have of Rob Gronkowski on and off the field. And you're damn right. We got into those partying days. We absolutely got into the drinking days, the partying days mentioned that 2011 season. I think we all remember <laughs> what he did after that Super Bowl loss. Right? I was there. I was covering it for the Milwaukee journal Sentinel. You know, it's funny is because after covering that game, we stayed at the JW Marriott and I don't know if we took Uber didn't even exist. then. I don't think, but we probably just walked back from the stadium 
and you go by Victory Field, the minor league baseball uh, stadium that's kind of adjacent to the JW Marriott. And it was like loud. I could hear like noise and there it was weird. Like, what the hell's going on in there? And um, the next morning we drive back to uh, Wisconsin and, you know, look, looking at Twitter and getting the news. And yeah, turns out the Patriots had a post game party. It was already scheduled. LMFAO was there. Uh, I think Maroon 5 might have been there too. But anyways, Rob Gronkowski partying his ass off, shirtless with his brothers. Of course, after he had hurt his ankle and that was a major, 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 maybe the biggest factor in the Super Bowl loss for the Patriots. So pissed off a lot of former Patriot players. I talked to Julian Edelman. He said, you know, those who knew Rob Gronkowski knew he did everything in his power to play and they didn't have a problem with it. But uh, we got into all the partying days. Rob got talked about the most legendary party that he ever attended, which was something else. And also gets into how it helped him. Yes. The drinking and the dancing and the partying is a huge reason that Rob Gronkowski became one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Not a minor reason, a huge reason. When you buy the book, you'll find out how. Um, but yes, thank, thank you everybody for the support. I think we announced it at Go Long a few months back and I, the pre-orders just start started pouring in. So I can't thank you enough. And so everybody knows here on the podcast, um, the lead up to Blood and Guts' release, uh, there was so much that I have on the cutting room floor and so many tight ends I talked to, so many stories that make the book. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a series that go long. So we're going to have a good, um, I don't know, I think it'll be like five or six features around tight ends or an angle, something uh, to, to lead up to the release of the book. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, there's some moments, some players that, not only deserve the recognition, but just have some wild stories to share that we're going to put out there on Go Long, in addition to incorporating the book itself with our subscribers. So we're still figuring out some ideas and things to do, but you know, there could be some appearances, there could be some events, um, there could be some ch- just different opportunities when it comes to all things blood and guts. So just you know, keep an eye out for that all. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski, it's... Um, I guess I can't just, I'm not going to sit here and bang the table and and say he is the greatest tight end of all time, but gun to the head, man, I I would, I would say even if this is it, yes, he is because of that blocking, because he still was an incredible receiver. He played the game the way it was meant to be played. You know, I, I think that Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp are two tight ends that they get a lot of heat for not blocking, uh, I think they're better blockers than people think. I mean, you don't, Terrell Davis doesn't have one of the best three-year runs for any running back in NFL history, running away from Shannon Sharp all game long. I mean, Mike Shanahan, we, we got into it all, broke down how he helped convince Shannon Sharp to just maybe not open arms and brace blocking, but buy into it to an extent. Say Tony Gonzalez, you know, he, he had Jason Dunn with him in Kansas City handling a lot of that blocking, so he didn't have to do it. Um, but you know, while I, I'm not going to bash these guys as blockers, cause I think there, there was that part of their game. Rob Gronkowski was a phenomenal blocker and a phenomenal receiver. And he won a ton of Super Bowls. And all he did was step up in big moment after big moment. He kind of sold himself as this Neanderthal, yo soy fiesta, you know, kind of a doofus. And he, he was, he actually was brilliant when it came to football, uh, him and Tom Brady staying after practice, perfecting routes. I'm a 4.0 GPA once upon a time. He's really smart. Yeah, I, yeah. who knows? If 
I don't, I don't think it's an act. You know, I don't think he's faking who he is, but I think he plays up to it to an extent. And th- there's a lot of intelligence to his game. So when you really combine the intelligence with the physicality, you do get an all-time great. So and also a huge thanks to Rob Gronkowski for taking the time uh, to get into his life, his career, as well as his dad, Gordy Gronkowski. Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun really going down memory lane. And I think that, you know, especially, I know we have a lot of people here in Western New York who uh, listen to the podcast, a ton of Western New York references and ties in that chapter. I mean, we, we really went deep on his upbringing and I think there's some stories in there that are going to make you chuckle. All right. So that's, that's the headliner. Um, you know, the, the day has really been packed with news. So Deshaun Watson, obviously, uh, has reached settlements with 20 of the 24 cases per Tony Busby's attorney. Uh, so that means four are currently unsettled. You know, I, I guess we, we saw this coming, right? Um, but I, as the NFL put out, they're still going through their investigation. And I don't, I, I take the NFL at their word. I don't think that this is really going to affect Nothing legally, for better or worse, has really ever affected what the NFL does punishment-wise. They, they they do their own investigation. They're going to reach their own conclusion. And I sure would hope that they're they going to be cognizant of how this all looks in the court of public opinion. Because if he isn't suspended um, for the season, I don't know, maybe, at bare minimum, I, I think that a lot of fans are going to look at this as, oh, another rich guy paying his way through life. Uh, through the league, you know, just buying his way out of problems when, you know, I mean, he became, you know, maybe the most guaranteed money for any player in NFL history. And then he just, you, you pay off 20 accusers and you, yeah, you get a little slap on the wrist from a PR standpoint, you know, put, put the morals aside, which is a whole conversation unto itself from a public perception standpoint, it's a terrible look for the NFL. And we were just talking about CTE and concussions and how, their great reaction from that. This is the number one story, whether they like it or not. Um, everybody's watching to see what the NFL is going to do to Deshaun Watson. So I would still expect the punishment to be severe. Um, we'll see. I mean, the NFL has surprised us before, but they need to make it clear to the NFL that they, they are human beings, right? That not everybody's just robotically, deciding who the best players are and playing them regardless of what they do off the field. I, I, it's one of those issues Like we were talking about with Monas last week, where if my God, if everybody is in agreement on it, both sides of the spectrum, that this is patently absurd, you know, at best it's like sexual fiend, deviant behavior and, and an addiction. And if you just do anything short of, of really making it clear that this is unacceptable, you're going to piss off a lot of people. And we'll see what happens. I would think it happened. You know, I would think that the NFL takes action during this, this month, right. This dead period, who knows? Um, and we'll see what the Cleveland Browns do. They, when they made the trade, you know, none of this should have been a surprise. Um, so that's the news with Deshaun Watson. And yeah, I think it's also noteworthy on here. Uh, and I'm going to get into it with Jim on a later podcast as well. Uh, but Chase Claypool's <laughs> comment um, that he views himself as a top three receiver 
kind of took the NFL world by storm on Monday. Uh, hopefully you've had a chance to read our column at golongtd.com. I loved it. I think that the NFL needs more Chase Claypools. And for, first of all, there's two parts of this. First of all, this just, again, shows where NFL sports media is in, in 2022. And I'm not saying that guys are taken out of contact. No, but 99.9% of the people who are just mocking and ridiculing and laughing at the fact that Chase Claypool thinks he's the third best receiver in the league or top three, 99.9% of those people didn't even watch it. They didn't even watch the fragmented video clip of Chase Claypool talking to Brandon Marshall, LaShawn McCoy, and Pac-Man Jones on the I Am Athlete podcast, let alone the full 35 minutes. I watched the 35 minutes, and it's like it, it, it seamlessly is just part of the entire conversation. And he's he's clearly just saying that this is he, he's he's manifesting and motivating himself to try to dominate. And what do you want him to do? What do you want? Would you want him to say, I, I think I'm the 39th best receiver in the league? Of course not. If you did, you want to trade him on the spot. It's a violent game played by violent people, testosterone-fueled. And wide receiver, you're going to have personalities. You're going to have divas. You're going to have a lot of that stuff packed in there. Give me a guy who is wanting to put that cornerback in a body bag every play. Because this isn't a diva. And that's why he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's why Mike Tomlin... And the Steelers are going to do everything they can to resign this guy long term when it gets to that point. Because at its core, this is a physically and mentally tough SOB that is going to knock people back in the run game. He's going to win the 50-50 ball in the pass game. You're going to have to you know, get some of that nonsense in between, right? The, the first down signal and then at Eric Kendricks knocks the ball out of his hands. And that was a whole deal in, in their comeback bid against the Vikings earlier this season. But at his core, who he is, this is somebody who is uh is tough on just about every level and gets the bigger picture on just about every level and it just it blows my mind that man i guess that's where we're at in sports media it's the fast food that sells i mean we're all fattening up on those quarter pounders and just you know, taking a few words out of on a tweet on a graphic and laughing it up when you actually watch it and you see where he's coming from and you learn about his past and this is a player that you want on your team, that you want saying this kind of stuff because it's going to get him going. Um, yeah, that, so you can you can check it out. Also, we linked back to our, our conversation with Chase Claypool. Uh, last November, sat down with him there after Steelers practice and got into his whole mentality and why he just kind of says whatever the hell he wants and why he doesn't care about the backlash, right? I mean, he's not going to put out a, a public apologies. He's not going to do that. That's the worst thing you can do is just apologize for something you shouldn't be apologizing for. So, heck yeah, we need more Chase Claypools. Loved it, and it'll be interesting. We'll definitely try to get to Pittsburgh uh, for training camp this summer. But it, Ben Roethlisberger, by the end, was not Ben Roethlisberger. It's pretty obvious. But they're bringing back that whole defense that was dominant for stretches. They might have the best player in the entire NFL in T.J. Watt. Um, you know, if he stays healthy that last month of the season, he's in that MVP conversation. And then offensively, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Fryer move at tight end, um, who we, we get into the Steelers tight end and everything, the history there in the book. If, if you get something out of your passing game, this is a team that could do damage. And we're not even talking about the Steelers. So 
the division's going to be tough. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. But, I mean, Cincinnati isn't going anywhere. Baltimore, we'll see offensively what that passing game does. So, sitting here right now, I I wouldn't count out Pittsburgh in the division in the AFC. I mean, we've seen this out of Mike Tomlin. He's going to keep that team competitive. Um, but anyways, yeah, go along to check out the story, chase Claypool and, uh, make sure you listen to Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever, however you listen to the podcast, we're going to have a lot more coming your way this week. And as mentioned on the site, be on the lookout for a series. Uh, when train right before training camps kind of kick off, uh, we're going to be sharing a lot of profiles and deep dives from all these trips we've been taking. And then around the corner from there we'll have our, our usual kickoff series uh, before week one of the NFL season with, with more stories. So a lot coming your way very, very soon. In addition to some pretty big announcements at go long as well. Um, so thank you very much for listening, for subscribing. Remember uh, if you're interested in the newsletter, you can always sign up to the free list, go long And if you like what we have to offer upgrade at any time, get you access to all of our happy hours too. We had Doug Whaley last week. I can ask people around the NFL what you're thinking. I want to bring you as close to the action as possible. Till then, thanks so much. And hey, thanks for considering our blood and guts too. Our family greatly appreciates it. Have a good night.